never say die! Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 147 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I'd just like to say welcome to 40 Going On 14 because Will Smith does not fucking say Earth. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, how did that get started? Yeah. My guess is it started with, like... Was misremembering, and then uh, a bunch of people are like, oh yeah, Will Smith, he seems pretty dumb. That was probably true. I don't know how on earth that got started. No <laughs> could, it, could it be a offshoot of the Will Smith? I, I don't think so. I, I honestly, Will Smith? What? I, I, I think people remembered him saying, welcome to Earth, and then just like, for some reason, just decided he mispronounced the word. Hmm. That's racist, Josh. Oh, yeah, that's kind of where I think it came from in the first place. Yeah. Well, welcome to the racism show, folks. <laughs> no, <laughs> sir. Yeah. And we're done. Yeah. Thanks Goodbye. Now we're uh, doing uh, Independence Days. We actually all went out to go see the new Independence Day Resurgence, and uh, comparing that to the original. Um, we were just actually just talking about it because I actually saw the original. Independence Day on my honeymoon at Disney World and saw it again to celebrate the 20th anniversary, which is kind of weird, but uh, not as loud. So I'll, I'll tell you right now, the the sound systems they have at Disney World in the theaters blow everything you've ever seen away. Or that is a weird irony, though, that you would have seen it then and now. How is that irony? Well, they it's like rain on your wedding day. Twenty years apart. It's like rain on your wedding day, but no, just that we would select, <laughs> we would select this particular show based on Fourth of July, and that it was out. But then that it would also tie in with his anniversary, which was this week. Well, I was married just before the Fourth of July. It's just weird stop how that all works. It's, it's not. not it's not weird. It's called dates. That's just how they go. You know what else isn't it's ironic? Calendar. <laughs> Shut up. You know what else oh, isn't dude. ironic? The Podcast Collective. <laughs> no <laughs> irony there. With that for the last five minutes. <laughs> uh, on the Podcast Collective, you can find such shows as our show, plus the Bad Parenting Podcast, On the Block, the Coffin Joe Cast, Joel's Own, the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, Dating Baggage, The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, I Am Salt Lake, Mint in Boxcast, and Tales from the Hard Side. I still have not listened to The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, and I think at this point it's turning into a um, uh, Gone with the Wind thing for me. I've never seen Gone with the Wind. I don't think I'm ever going to listen to Scott the Pool Boy. Oh, you make me sad. Is it better than Gone with the Wind? Everything's better than Gone with the Wind. Hey, oh, hey now, hey. Hey. I'll give it a chance then. Hey. Hey. What? I like I like Gone with the Wind. Okay. Well, if you're so ever if you're... Gone with the Wind and want to see our older shows. There or, you go. Or even hear them. Uh, you can find them on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. And uh, give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And uh, let us know what you think. Or if you have any complaints or compliments or want to explain calendars to Joel or... It's not about the calendar, you. <laughs> okay, give so, him a dictionary then, so we can look up the word irony. 
It's about the fact that you saw it then and you're seeing it now and it happens to all coincide at the same time and it's a 20-year anniversary and it's cool. The listeners will get it. You guys are just being dicks. And frankly, my And you just discovered the theme of the show. It's <laughs> That's next week. That is. All right. Wait. Hey. We missed Geek Life Radio. Did we? Yeah. Saturdays <laughs> at noon. Saturdays at noon when you're talking about the dick, the dick show. Whoa. Isn't that what Joel just said we're doing that? Next week. Yeah. I'll take your silence as consent. No, I was just Saturdays thinking about all the homework I have to do now. Yeah, it usually does. <laughs> it's going to be a busy week. <laughs> all right, so. Well, let's get to our voicemail. Let's do that. <laughs> let's do that. Hey, fuckers. It's, uh, it's none of law. Uh, I did enjoy the, uh, Google transcript of my latest, uh, set of voicemails, but it kind of glossed over some things. I did mention how, uh, oh, fuck it. Doesn't matter. Let's not ruin a good bit. I'm listening to your, uh, Cameron Diaz show. Uh oh. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's a thing, right? Because everybody loves Cameron Diaz. For fucking what? Hey, she was hot in the fucking mask. After that, the fuck cares. The horrible fucking actress. And, uh, yeah, no, admittedly, I've seen most, a lot of the movies that she's been in, and they all could be vastly improved upon if they just put anybody else, anybody else, into a lot of those roles. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, asshole. I digest. Things have been pretty rough for me. I'm, uh, He's going feeding through some, lions. uh, with some personal shit. Um, life-changing events. Uh, is yeah. He is he coming out? So, I'm uh, just not into doing my thing, so... I'll leave it at that. Keep up the good work. Fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. You guys need to do a goddamn show about Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger. I'm with Pat 100 fucking percent. That's a first. It needs to fucking happen. (laughs) Stop dicking him around. Stop dicking us around. We all want it. You know how badly we want it? That's what she said. That's what he said. Damn. Anyway, yeah, I'm shutting up now. Bust the fucking front. I think we just got like a 2 a.m. drunk dial. <laughs> that got dark at the end. I feel bad for him. I see what's going on. The hell? I hope. I you're... feel like we just got a text. Like you awake? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know what to make of that. Um. So I guess it's about that time. 
I'm just going to say I am officially not going to go on record as agreeing with him about the Arnold show, but I think we should do one. Ah! But I'm not officially going on record as saying that. I'm just agreeing with a listener. You know what Thank happens you when you make a suggestion. Oh, no, no. Shows. No! <laughs> damn it. I'm not agreeing. I'm just <laughs> pointing out a listener that said something. Uh, it's only half yep. credit. We'll only push it 50 shows. <laughs> I think he's agreeing with the listener. God damn it. Oh, it's about that time. Are you sure? Not. <laughs> Shut up. Gloating. There we go. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are going back to 1996, July 3rd, the release of Independence Day, the original. You know, you know what else happened? Mike got married. Yeah. Oh, that's weird and ironic. That is, isn't that strange? How, how ironic is that that I would choose the same week that the sequel to Independence Day would come out would, 20 years later? Would, would you have chosen to get married during this week if you'd known that Will Smith would not be in the sequel 20 years later? Not at all. We would have waited another year. That's what I figured. Yeah. We would have waited for uh, Men in Black. Good thing you didn't know. All right. Joel? I'm just making sure he's still here. <laughs> it's all right. So music. The number one song is The Crossroads by Bone Thugs and Harmony. Get up, get up, get up, get up. Stand up, wake up. I don't know how it goes. I'm not a fan. Oh, see, that is that is totally the definition of a guilty pleasure song for me. And meet you at it. the crossroads. That's the lyrics. <clears throat> I was yeah. doing first of the month. Sorry. Uh, uh, that, that's the one where they rap really fast. Yeah. They don't do anything fast. All right, so Joel, I don't really know much about them. Don't really like their yeah. stuff. I don't know. I don't. I don't know the song this week. I was busy doing other things. <laughs> um, on July third, <laughs> watching Independence Day. Yeah, that was it? <laughs> Alice in Chains on the, on the honeymoon. He just over and over again. He's like, let's just go see it again. There's just so many dimensions. <laughs> what you gonna miss, everybody? <laughs> on July third, Alice in Chains performs their last concert with lead singer Lane Staley in Kansas City, Missouri, while touring with Kiss in the Wait. Almost Metal concert. Wait well, half metal. Kansas City. Half metal. Hey, don't blame Kansas City. Actually, they were just there last night. Matt Brown went to go see them and yes. uh, Guns N' Roses. Guns and Roses. Oh. Yeah, he went and saw it last night. And of all songs he could post to Facebook, he chose The Rooster when he had it all of Guns N' Roses set. And he chose The Rooster? Yeah. Matt, you fucking yeah. suck. What 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 does Guns N' Roses have to do with Rooster? Nothing. I'm just saying. Like, why wouldn't you post something from Guns N' Roses? I want to see how I want to see and hear how Axel because sounds. Matt Brown and I love Alice in Chains. Even though Lane Staley is long gone, rest in peace. It's still a band that he and no, I. I, absolutely... I like Alice in Chains. Wait, he died. Saying, of the two, upload a song about Guns and uh, upload a Guns N' Roses song. Matt, you shit. <laughs> Can we just dial it back a little bit? Did Patrick blame? Kansas City saying Lane Staley hated Kansas City so much he OD'd. <laughs> Is that was that my takeaway? It was, Kansas City was so boring he OD'd. Well, and if it, if if he had been with a more metal band, we might not oh, have lost them. Oh, shut up! 
Like I'm Kiss? I'm not saying Alice in Chains is metal. It's <laughs> more hey. metal than Kiss. Hey, uh, Lane, you want to come over? Them. Ace Freely is going to make a quiche. <laughs> Gene Simmons is going to market it. <laughs> <laughs> and Lane Staley, by the way, wasn't the, that wasn't why why they broke up because he passed away. He didn't die till two thousand two. The band just split. But wasn't that in Kansas City? Yeah, he didn't die until two thousand two. Oh, I still but blame Kansas, Kansas City. City. No, or was it just his soul? <laughs> he died in Seattle, Washington. All right, so uh, July eighth to get this Good moving Lord. along. The Spice Girls released their debut single "Wannabe" in the UK. The song provide uh, proves to be a global hit hitting number one in 31 countries and becoming the biggest-selling debut single of, of all time for a all-female group. You missed the biggest-selling debut metal single by an all-female oh, Shut group. up. Okay. They are not more metal than Kiss. I'll give Patrick that one. <laughs> I do that, own... That song was everywhere. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah that's another guilty pleasure. I will totally. say I do own the Spice Girls album, but for a very legit reason. <laughs> because... Okay. Josh, you're going to have to back me up on this one. Back then, there was a game called Monster Rancher. Oh, yeah. And the Spice Girls, you you would... you would Oh, the, the one that turned the, your CD into a, a Monster's... Right. You yeah. You'd swap out the disc, and you put in a CD, and it would read the code on there, and you'd, you'd create a monster. And one of the rarest monsters to get was on the Spice Girls album. <laughs> Yeah, there were some unique monsters that were keyed to specific CDs, and yeah, that was one of them. Yeah. He's absolutely right. Yeah, got it at uh, Val's. But the movie Val's was great. Used. Oh, oh yeah. God, that movie was awful. What are you talking about? We, we watched movie? it for old school bad movie night at Dennis's. Hmm. What and I enjoyed the hell out about of it. Willis. We should watch the Spice Girls and then watch Josie and the Pussycats. They're both in the 90s. I could also drown right. myself in my bathtub. <laughs> But enough you with your been to Kansas. In that case, we will watch it. <laughs> Has it? Was it from the nineties? No. Josie and the Pussycats. Talking about the one with Rachel Lee Cook. I don't know. No, there was um, one that just came out like a couple years ago, and it bombed. Two thousand and one. Gem. Oh, that's right. It oh, yeah, we could do that. Okay, Josie and the Pussycats was two thousand one, but still, that's really borderline. That's Madonna. Right. Anyway, it's no, anyway. It's no Santa Claus. Um, so movies, movies True released story. this week include the number one movie, Independence Day. How ironic! And also Phenomenon, <laughs> Striptease, and the acronym of the week, which is TNP. Yes, that's a totally numbing prophylactic. <laughs> which was also my reaction to striptease. They used to make those. So they probably still do. The one extended ones. They were supposed to guarantee you a longer erection? Yeah, they were like extended. Not longer as in length, longer as in time. Yeah. And all, all, all it did was just like numb everything the from the waist down. <laughs> it comes with a magnifying glass. It was like it was like filling a rubber with Anvisol. That doesn't sound fun. So no, we're, we're just going to move on and say that was the nutty <laughs> professor. Sorry, nice guess. <laughs> you said, never mind. Oh, so uh, Margot, Margot, yeah. Margot, Margot Louise Hemingway experienced success as a supermodel in the mid-70s, appearing on the covers of Cosmopolitan, Elle, Harper's yeah. Bazaar, Vogue, and Time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. 
like <laughs> she signed that's, a it's a deep cut for people that uh haven't been with us for a while yeah uh she signed a mul- a million dollar contract for Fabergé as a spokesmodel for Bobby Babe, perfume? Probably babe, yeah. Babe, whatever. It's French. Uh, The granddaughter of writer Ernest Hemingway and the older sister of actress Mariel Hemingway, her life was marred by addiction and depression, and she died of suicide by drug overdose in 1996 at the age of 42 on July 1st. Kansas City was not necessarily implicated at all. No. Babe. You know what's really ironic about that is that I am a year older than 42. Or maybe two. I forgot how old I am. <laughs> All right, so TV. What the fuck is going on tonight? <laughs> I don't know, but I just almost died. <laughs> oh, god damn. The top shows of Thank 1996. You, you almost fucking killed me. Uh, That's what you get trying. for going to Kansas City. The top shows are ER, Seinfeld. Seinfeld? Seinfeld. Suddenly Jackie Mason is reading. <laughs> Seinfeld. Suddenly Susan and Friends. <laughs> <laughs> my hero I like, he <laughs> I like how he added the question mark suddenly Susan <laughs> <laughs> say what you want Jackie Mason is hilarious I agree Mahiro oh, yeah, Tagasuki so I wonder if I can do this one as Jackie Mason but I'm not going to try oh, it God, is no. a Japanese actor affiliated with Spice Power and is best known for his role as the character Mitsuzani Kurashima and Kamen Rider Roygen from the Kamen Rider series. Kamen Rider Gum. He was born July 4th. You know what that is? That's ironic. In Fukuoka <laughs> Prefecture, Japan. Not to them. They don't know about anything. So, <laughs> so Kamen Rider, if you're not into like obscure Japanese superhero shows, was this... Uh, tokusatsu superhero show about a dude who dressed up as a giant insect and fought crime usually like riding around on a motorcycle yep he had big old his helmet had big old bug eyes on it he had like a green uh like um, a breastplate thing coming rider it's not how it went <laughs> riding on bugs my next <laughs> <laughs> You saved it. Oh, you know what made me think? Uh, you reminded me of. Remember Insectars? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so July. You know, you know how my, I get the cheesy writer? If I get a second truck, I'm going to do all ramen. It should be the ramen writer. You might. Ramen writer. <laughs> July sixth, nineteen ninety six. When it becomes evident that Anna Stewart will be the next to die in the serial killer storyline on Another World. Many fans start letter-writing campaigns and telephone calls regarding her imminent demise. Executive producer Jill Farron Phelps decide that actress Alice Barrett will be killed off the show instead. How hmm. pissed would you be if you were Alice? No shit. I know, right? <laughs> you know what? You want to blow my campaign? <clears throat> you sons of bitches. There's a letter-writing and telephone call campaign. Yep. Back in the day. Yeah. Citizens of. Thousands of copy-pasted snarky tweets. Or a click here to sign this meaningless internet. Uh, right. What the fuck do you They're call it? They're not meaningless. They're not meaningless. Petition? They mean something. Petition. 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 Yeah, that was the word that my brain would not deliver oh. up. That's really <laughs> ironic that you couldn't remember that word. <laughs> Dude. Sports. On July 8th, 
Martina Hinges becomes the youngest person in history, age 15 and 282 days, to win at Wimbledon in the ladies' doubles event. 15. Jesus. Yep. Yeah, Hingis was a uh, big, big news back in tennis then. Hmm. Yep. She was, I think, like still the third youngest <clears throat> ever to win the Wimbledon uh, singles. And uh, before his acting career, July 1st, 1996, Kevin James became the first <laughs> first class cricket. I'm, I'm imagining <laughs> Kevin James <take> wickets. <laughs> to take four wickets and four balls and followed it up with a century in the same match. Oh. Again. They're adding more words. <laughs> okay, yeah, but I, I, I was with them up until Century. Yeah. Yeah, four wickets and four balls, that sounds impressive. Yep. I'm pretty sure I know what that means. Century, no clue. Yep, I still have I'm in my... It's something like hitting for the cycle, I, I imagine, in baseball. In my mind, I have Kevin James on a uh, one of those little things from... <laughs> on, uh, segways? on a Segway playing cricket. <laughs> oh, shit. What? Okay, a century is what it sounds like. In the sport of cricket, a century is a score of 100 or more runs in the single innings by a batsman. That's a lot. Or yeah. is it? I'm going to put a I'm going to put an asterisk right after century so that way it means <laughs> you can't so just it changes add everything. I'm adding I am adding an asterisk to the century and it doesn't matter to you. Uh July <laughs> July 5th, the Oakland A's score 13 runs in the first inning versus the California Angels. There you go. Yeah. Yep, that's the thing that happened. Now, (laughs) the New York Yankees, John Waitland? Waitland? Wetland. Wetland ties Lee Smith's record of 19 consecutive saves on his way to a then record 24 consecutive saves. And miscellaneous, Dolly the Sheep, the world's first ever 100% clone, is born on July 5th and immediately Whoa. exploded as the scientists clicked her too much. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> ram you. All right. There it is, this weekend. All right, Independence Day. Yes. All right, so <clears throat> Independence Day. The aliens are coming, and their goal is to invade and destroy the Earth. Fighting superior technology, mankind's best weapon is the will to survive. And a nuclear bomb. And my will to survive. And and Randy Quaid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm part That should be our defense from now on. If anybody invades the Earth, we just throw Randy Quaid at him and see what happens. (laughs) This is about the time Randy Quaid decided to stop acting and just be himself. We all found out, yeah, he he decided to method act on this one and just stuck with it. Yeah. So this is directed by Roland. If it explodes, I directed it, Emmerich. He is the... Yeah. He's the Michael Bay of disaster films. Well, known for such classics as The Day After Tomorrow, Godzilla 98, and 2012. It came out in 2009. Which is really ironic. Giant... Disaster films that are giant turds. Yeah, disastrous design, disaster turds. <laughs> disaster turds. Tomorrow had Jake Gyllenhaal in it. That's true. At least, yeah, you got that going for it. Uh, also, this was written by uh, him and also by Dean Devlin, who has a very, very, very close-up picture of his face on IMDb. <laughs> uh, also known for such things as Independence Day, or specifically Independence Day, uh, Godzilla. 
And Stargate, he was a producer there, and also The Patriot. Stargate, the movie or the TV show? No, the movie. That is and, a very close-up picture of his face. Yeah, he's also producing the remake of Stargate. Mm. He also wrote Universal Soldier. Yeah. Looks like. And yeah. some TV shows. And the Universal Soldier films. No, he was part of Eight-Legged Freaks, too. So it seems like him and Emmerich have been getting along for a while. So, But uh, this disaster, disaster movie? Sci-fi disaster movie? Uh, alien Invasion action uh, yeah. yeah, I just say it's like your classic summer blockbuster. Yeah. You don't think too much about it. Lots of shit blows up. There's one-liners. <laughs> Sci-fi action movie. And we all win in the end. Right. <clears throat> well, this starred uh, Will Smith as Captain Stephen Hiller, Bill Pullman as in I'm Not Lone Star, President Th- Thomas J. <laughs> Wetmore. <laughs> I'm not the guy who was in a coma for three-fourths of while you were sleeping. Right. Uh, Jeff Goldblum is David Levinson. Mary McDonald is First Lady Marilyn Whitmore. Judd Hirsch as himself. I'll show you much. As Julius Levinson. He's Robert Loggia as General William Gray. Randy Quaid as Russell Case. Margaret Cullen, Constance Spano, Vivacia Fox as the girlfriend stripper, Jasmine Dubrow. Uh, how far are we going down on this? Harvey Firestein as Marty Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that they've got James Rebhorn so high prominently. Yeah, I mean he's a classic character actor. He's like almost always the dude in the suit who's a douchebag. Yeah, as Albert Nimziski and uh, Adam Baldwin in a very early part. He looks like he's twelve in this as Major Mitchell, and then. A one Brent Spiner as Dr. Brackish Oaken. Well, if you Wait, think what? this was early Adam Baldwin, seeing him in full metal jacket now will blow your fucking mind. Oh, dude, go back and watch My Bodyguard. I don't think I ever saw that. Oh, my God. That, that is, I think that may be his first scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. That would, oh, probably, yeah? that would probably blow your mind, Mike, to, if you go back and watch it and realize that he plays Animal Mother. <clears throat> Animal mo- in Full Metal Jacket? Yeah. Yep. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. God damn. Now go back. Yeah, look, his very first movie, My Bodyguard, playing opposite Matt Dillon. Huh. Yeah, no, I never saw My Bodyguard. The earliest thing I would have seen him in would have been Ordinary People, and I only saw that because we had to watch it in college. Okay. Yeah, this one he was Matt with uh, Dillon. Uh, Chris <laughs> no, Makepeace. Matt Damon. <laughs> Not in my world. So, uh, got some trivia on this one. The scene in which Will Smith drags the unconscious alien across the desert was filmed on the salt flats near Great Salt Lake in Utah. Smith's line, and what the hell is that smell, was unscripted. Uh, Apparently, the Great Salt Lake is home to tiny crustaceans called brine shrimp, and when they die, their bodies sink to the bottom of the lake, which isn't very deep, and decompose, and when the wind kicks up just right, the bottom mud is disturbed, and the smell of millions of decaying brine shrimp can be very, very bad. Apparently, nobody told Will Smith about this. Yeah, They're if you also guys... known as sea monkeys. monkeys. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, if you want to know what decaying brine shrimp smell like, if you ever screwed up sea monkeys as a child, and then opened that little case <laughs> they came in, yeah. 
So Ugh. what Josh Josh means to say is if you ever owned Sea Monkeys as a kid. Because yeah, because <laughs> you screwed it up. Yeah. No no one ever successfully raised bride shrimp for like three generations. <laughs> I I just sprinkled them on cocktail sauce and ate them. You sp- Never but, mind. No, I just keep moving. Yeah, don't just keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the president's speech was filmed on the 6th of August, 1995, in front of an old airplane hangar. This hangar once housed the Enola Gay, which dropped the atomic bomb in Hiroshima exactly fi- 50 years earlier on August 6th, 1945. Right there. Irony. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. That's using the same logic that I was using, though, minus the irony part. Right. Uh, Jeff Goldblum also uses one of his lines from Jurassic Park in Must Go Faster, Must Must Go go Faster. faster. Um, The character of President Whitmore was originally intended to be a Richard Nixon-like figure. The role was originally intended for Kevin Spacey, though co-writer Dean Devlin's friend from high school. uh, No, I'm sorry, he was Dean Devlin's friend from high school. And an executive at Fox refused to cast Kevin Spacey, insisting that he did not have the potential to be a big star. (laughs) (laughs) The part was rewritten, and Bill Pullman was then cast in the role. Because Bill Pullman was the guy he said, that's a star. Yeah. (laughs) The internet with Bill Pullman. (laughs) (laughs) What's that TV show that Kevin Spacey, the government one right now? Oh, Uh, talking about House of Cards? Yeah, I really, that's on my list. It's good. Yeah. And strangely enough, has have you guys, I don't don't know why outside of maybe Josh, um, he actually was in a video game, Kevin Spacey, in the Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. He was a character in that one, too, and he played, they uh, bi- uh, video mapped his own face, which was hmm. pretty cool. So uh, the Macintosh laptop that David uses is shown as a PowerBook XXXX. It's a prototype model with no designation. Despite this, clips from the film showing the laptop with its prominent Apple logo were used in a series of PowerBook advertisements at the time, and the slogan was, What kind of laptop would you choose to save the world? Not that one. Probably something with more than one mouse button. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, there's some trivia from there. Now, to the movie. How many of us actually saw this at the theater? I know I did. I did, yeah. Uh, I'm raising my hand, but that doesn't do anything. I might have. I don't remember. But don't, I, I might have. What? I mean, this was like the biggest movie at the time of its time. Well, there like, was a you... lot of advertisement leading up to it. Yeah. This is one of the first ever really big summer blockbusters that kind of started the trend. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really did. It uh, there was a lot of advertisement to it beforehand, where all you would see, I think, like in the on the uh, L tracks and the posters, it just said ID four. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there was some and the sort picture of... and like the shadow of the ship. Mm-hmm. And uh, the you know there was always this you know this the explosions the of the uh, alien ships destroying the White House was a huge thing. Yeah. Oh yeah! When it came out, everyone was just like aghast that you wouldn't just even have the White House get destroyed. Well, when that happened during the actual movie, yeah, the whole audience was like, "Oh, yeah." Well, and you know what? This is also one of the one of the few movies. This is at the tail end of good, solid practical effects. You know they yeah. they built that 
White House just to be destroyed. And I have a ton of respect they had, yeah, for those Yeah, they guys. built a ton of miniature sets in this movie just mm-hmm. to destroy them. Oh, yeah. Them. I mean, I don't think there was a really that much digital in this in the way of effect. Oh, no, there was a lot of CGI. There, this built on the foundation that uh, they started back with Jurassic Park. They didn't use it quite as completely as Jurassic Park, where almost everything was CGI. Mm-hmm. Or but, as effectively. Right. But I, I think it was, uh, I don't know, it was a lot of the big alien stuff. Obviously, the uh, battles, when uh, there's anything with lasers. But sure, they use puppetry and miniatures and a lot of classical film effects. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're going to have CGI, having it augment the practical effects uh, probably is the best way to use it. I mean, oh, that's yeah. how they got Randy Quaid to look so alive. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you stole my joke, man. I wasn't going with Harvey Firestein on that one. Uh, Harvey Firestein's very alive. <laughs> so, but no, the, um, you know, the whole pro- plot of the movie, this... Satellites start disappearing. We're getting a strange repeating signal from outer space. And uh, the opening scene I, I thought was actually pretty impressive with the uh, the shadow crossing over the moon and causing enough vibration to have the footprints of the astronauts get vibrated out. Yeah, but yeah. very symbolic. <laughs> Excuse me, dying. But no, um, so Joel, you don't remember if you saw it in the theater? I, I might have, but I don't know for sure. Like, it wasn't like a, oh, yeah, I saw that in the theater. I saw a lot of movies, so I, I could have. More than likely, you saw it in the theater. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with you probably saw it in the theater. So, uh, so yeah, so the, uh, the plot-wise, um, <clears throat> aliens attack the Earth. They, these ships come down through this fiery cloud, which I thought was really cool. That whole effect was really neat. Yep. Uh, and start to hover above different landmarks across the globe. Uh, the White House to the Eiffel Tower. Um, Moscow. <clears throat> Moscow. Yeah, basically all of the largest cities in all the countries of the world. Right. So there, Capitals there. and like big, big cities. Yep. So there's a large group of people decide time to skip town. And a smaller group of people decide to get up on top of the buildings and hold up signs and say, welcome to town. Take us away. Yeah. Um, I hope they bring back Elvis. That was. Oh, that. How did how did that stripper get all the way to the top of the top of that building? She knows how to climb a pole. <laughs> Metaphorically and literally. <laughs> so um, the aliens then. Surprise us by destroying <gasps> everything. Yeah, with a very effective, massive, awesomely deadly weapon that yeah. just levels everything with fire and heat. And yeah, yeah. and the yeah. only reason they don't get the president is because Jeff Goldblum, who <clears throat> is working for a cable station, despite being a brilliant engineer, finds the signal that he realizes they're using the television satellites to coordinate a countdown so that they can attack all at once. And he's like, he basically doesn't even really care about saving the president, but his ex-wife is in on the presidential staff, and he wants to make sure she gets out. Right. Yeah. So he goes and he gets his dad, played by an amazing Judd Hirsch. <laughs> played by Joey McJewerson. <laughs> no. 
I'm driving. They can pass. <laughs> uh, so he goes out to the White House. I, that's that's actually one of the, I think, Judd Hirsch, again, well, even you know, we'll talk about that later, but he is fantastic in every scene that he's in. Yes, he steals every scene he's in, absolutely. Yeah. At least in the first movie, yes. <laughs> oh, we'll spoilers. get to what I'm We're going to have words about. later on. Um, nope, nope. You'll, you'll like, agree with I me. wish I had known I had been in the White House. I look like I'm a sugar. Um, <laughs> so they go in to get uh, Constance, uh, Jeff Goldblum's ex-wife, to get her out of there and manage to escape the destruction of the White House by a mere 10 seconds. As again, another one of the really cool effects is the Air Force One taking off with the wall of fire right behind it. Yes. Um, and then the whole conversation with uh, with uh, Julius and uh, David, uh, the Jeff Goldblum and Judd Hirsch. Yeah, I don't get airsick. You could go left. It could go right. It could yeah. go up. <laughs> it could go down. It's, but um, so Jeff Goldblum convinces them. That one nuking them is a bad idea, and two, Judd Hirsch actually kind of saves the planet by saying, well, "You knew about this." To who uh, I forgot the actor's name, James Redhorn, Albert Nimsky, who is the uh, security. Yeah, you National skipped security? a minor bit. Oh, what? Secret- I mean? Secretary of Defense is what Secretary you're of Defense. That's the word. There is the incredibly ineffective first strike counterattack. Where uh, Will Smith and his uh, squadron, the Black Knights, go after what, the ship. Now, what about the, the poor guys in the helicopter trying to send the, the light welcome message? wagon? Yeah, yeah right. the welcome wagon kicks. Yeah, I forgot about the welcome wagon. They try. Well, to and do... we see the uh, the death of the relentlessly annoying Harry Connick Jr., who was like, <laughs> uh, "Finally, the aliens did something right. <laughs> they killed that fucking character." Oh, he's not okay. Okay, his character, not the actor. No, not the actor. Okay. I actually liked him in everything else, and I was shocked because I didn't remember him being this bad until we just rewatched it. He was, was too over the top, schlocky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was just like, "Holy shit! Please, aliens, just fucking kill this dude." <laughs> yeah, he was pretty bad in this. I mean, he he was like you said, he was so chewing up the scenery every single time he was on there. Um, much better in uh, crap. What's the one about the Enola Gay? Memphis Bell. We're gonna yeah. talk about copycat again. Oh, copycat too. Yeah, no, I was thinking because he was flying. I was thinking about airplanes. Oh, his pilot. His pilot name should have been Gander. See what I did there? Because Goose from Top Gun. Gander. That joke makes me want to go to Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, also in the meantime, things I've skipped over. Uh, Will Smith realizes that he's going to be called in, and uh, a Slightly, I honestly, Vivacia Fox as his girlfriend. Vivica. Vivica. Vivica A. Fox, yeah. Her, anyway. So Jasmine, I can say that. So Vivacia. Jasmine is upset that he has to go back onto duty because they're being invaded by aliens. Yeah, duty. that was a little forced. Yeah. Just tell him you have the weekend off. You know what? Try to be rational. <laughs> it's just I think there's a clause in there somewhere. Don't be a stereotype. I think right. you fell off the pole one too many times. Ooh. Uh, so anyway, so literally and metaphorically. Oh. Uh, so uh, he takes off to go fight the aliens, and she leaves town. Pew pew pew. As the uh, as the aliens destroy DC, and she manages to be the only person 
to uh, avoid the flaming death. That so all you gotta from... do is go like three feet to the left. Who right. knew? <laughs> right. Yeah. Her, her kid, and the dog who outruns the fireball at the last possible second because fire can't travel through a doorway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's let's pinpoint the 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 uh, the science here that an open door in a tunnel where it's the the flames are shooting down. Well, flame is like a vampire. You have to invite it in. Eating all of the oxygen <laughs> and just traveling in any open space. Yeah, it's, it, she didn't even attempt to shut the door because the dog was too busy leaping for his life. Right. Now, my and that's just one of you. many. I, I love my dog, but that dog, if my dog is that dog, my dog's dead. <laughs> that's just one of many times where the movie just was like, what? Well, my first one was, can she really kick down that door? But then I'm like, well, she hangs from a pole. Yeah, but she probably has legs. some strong thoughts. Literally, it's already before. been established that she has chicken legs. She can't kick that door down. You guys are turning into comic book store guy. Are we to believe <laughs> this is some sort of magic door? I hope someone was fired for that oversight. <laughs> <laughs> Worst door kicking open ever. So anyway, <laughs> don't you don't you knock my kicking holes in this script? <laughs> there was a script. Okay, plan. <laughs> so. I actually, my my favorite part and saddest part of the entire destruction of the town, the destruction of the, the cities thing was Harvey Firestein. Because he's in that car and he sees that firewall coming right at him. He's just like, oh, crap. <laughs> just like, that's, minus the accent, that's pretty much how I would react. Because I'm like, why run at this point? Yeah, what am I, I going to do? I don't want to die sweaty. Yeah. I don't want. I don't <laughs> want to exert myself in my last moments. Mm-hmm. So uh, they... I don't want to go out like I lived <laughs> sweaty. <laughs> no, not sweaty. Just sitting there doing nothing. Sweaty. Nothing. <laughs> so in the meantime, we're introduced. So as the fireball is coming towards me, I'm just going to unzip, I guess, because I'm like, I'm going to die like I lived. Fapping <laughs> with no <Yes>. pants <laughs> and sweaty. Hello, pants. Uh, in the meantime, we're also introduced to Randy Quaid, who is a crop duster, uh, who dusts the wrong crops. Because uh, he's a drunk. Because he's a drunk. And claims he's been abducted by aliens, but no one believes him. Because he's a drunk. So, uh, in the meantime... They don't believe him until the aliens come, right. and then suddenly they're sympathetic. Yeah. So, like, he may have been onto something there. Um, <laughs> they, But he's... He is the standard drunken pilot stereotype. Uh, he has a bunch of three kids, one of which is sick with something that he needs medicine for. And they, n- they never said what he had, did they? Eight. No, they like tried to put these kids forward as characters, but it was like they forgot to develop them. I think he had a case of the plot device. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. AIDS. And what's with the Stick daughter? Up. Holy crap. What a little slut. Whoa. Well, where do you think the AIDS came from? <laughs> plot device no the, the one daughter is like when she's talking to that kid and as they're being attacked at the end she's like I don't want to die a virgin well, no, no, no she the, didn't the, say the that the boy said that he was yeah. trying to talk to her no 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 she said that to the kid at the end huh she did I, I just watched this hours ago I, I think you watched a, a different movie because <laughs> that, that did not happen someone yeah, back and, me up on this the girl, and even but, if she did that doesn't make her a slut I don't want to die a virgin, and then the one helping. the one kid says, oh, "Don't worry, we'll die virgins together." You you did not see that part. 
No, no dude, about? I just saw this movie. Oh yeah, my god. Someone that back me up on this. I know I saw that. I wrote this note down. I think he was watching Day After Tomorrow. Oh god, that would be so <laughs> ironic. Don't you think? I do. Um Aliens Attack. We're at our last wait, did I miss anything? Aliens Attack more. Uh, watching the porn version of this movie? Maybe I was watching that. <laughs> We do have uh, Will Smith being the sole survivor of his squadron and actually uh, knocking out the alien right before he doesn't say, welcome to Earth. With one yep. punch. Yeah, Through the bio armor, knock the thing out. Right. Yeah, but it's only important because he's dragging it towards Area 51 as the uh, redneck Winnebago squad is driving towards Area 51. <laughs> I would watch that I, I reality show. I was just show. thinking that sounds like a great anime. Redneck <laughs> Winnebago squad, go! Assemble! Ding, 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 ding. They form a giant robot that has like a beer belly and plays a banjo. <laughs> and his weapon is a banjo. Or not, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, they head towards Area 51, which, how, f- here's my question. Were they on the coast? Where were they when they started this fight? When Will Smith started fighting against them. They were above oh, the Grand L- Canyon. No, what town? They were above L.A., They were in they? L.A., yeah. Okay. So they were heading east. That makes sense. I mean, Nevada is right there. Okay. So, so how, they, far, how far did he go? Uh, apparently almost to New Mexico. Hmm. And then he crash-landed somewhere in the, the Badlands. I'm I'm just again just punching more holes in this. I'm trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah, it's weird that they just decided. Well, yeah, Nevada, New Mexico, they're all deserts. <clears throat> it's all pretty much the same. What the right. hell? It says it would take 29 hours to drive there. Almost 2,000. No, what is that? Okay, so that's interesting. I typed that in Los Angeles to Area 51, and it gave us Los Angeles to Area 51 tattoo in Chicago. Ooh, not the same thing. Oh, it's on North Williams Street, in case you're looking for it. So anyway, um, but yeah, they drive, you know, they fly across a state and a half to get to Area 51, crash the ship. He's dragging across the salt flats, comes across uh, the Banjo Squad. Uh, actually, one of the cooler scenes of the movie where they pull up and they're like, you can't come in. And he flips I thought back. that was actually kind of dumb. Really? Yeah. Oh. I mean, okay. I can maybe understand you can do that for the for the truck that has the body in it. You're not going to let in a hundred RVs because you know they're like, oh, every single one of these people in these RVs is essential to this alien. Okay, I got your answer, Mike. Okay, I'm with that guy. It is 100 miles, almost exactly, from uh, Los Angeles to Edwards Air Force Base, which is where Area 51 is supposed to be. Okay, and so, I, could, I believe that they could fly that. Yeah, so okay, yeah, absolutely. That, that's plausible that they would be able to make that flight, no problem. Got it. Okay, cool. But I'm good. not <laughs> le- letting all the Winnebago's into Area Fifty One just because they have one alien, I do not buy. Yeah, yeah, that's a little weird. I mean, it was just two guys there. Basically, the chain of command's a little rough because the Joint Chiefs are all dead. Like everybody in the presidential line of succession, except the president himself, has been killed. Hey, Pat, isn't that the name of your rap group? The Joint Chiefs? 
<laughs> I see what you did there. You get a Joel sticker, right? You made me laugh. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's All ironic. Right. So. Woo! <laughs> 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 now you get oh. two. Oh, Jesus. So then they get into Area 51 where they meet a one Brett Spiner who plays Dr. Oaken. Yes. Oh, I love, love Brett Spiner. Who this is quite possibly what made the movie for me. Sure. Yeah, he was awesome. Uh, Babyface Jane Cobb. Uh, Adam Baldwin is uh, Major Mitchell. Mm-hmm. All of them in there, they're all in this top secret base, and he's just excited as all get out that they would have anybody come visit them. He wants to show up. <laughs> they don't off. let us out much. Yeah. He's... So uh, uh, Brent Spiner, Dr. Oaken, shows him that they have actually an, an alien captured down Damn. in... You want to see one? <laughs> you they got like three or four of them down there. Well, they had the dead ones, but they had the, also had the one live one. Which well, he not, would be like us. Because he's, he's excited about the whole thing that they're, you know, having this contact and he's nerding out hardcore. Right, because it hasn't quite connected with him in his hole in the ground that thousands or millions of people have just died. Right. I don't think it ever connects with him. Well, maybe in the second one. I don't know that it connects with a lot of people, especially the screenwriters. <laughs> so then they find out that, holy crap, there actually have been aliens since 1950. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they've been using their technology and trying to figure out their technology for a long time. Uh, I thought the competition between Dr. Oaken and... Uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum, David Levinson was really funny. Yep. The two of them interacting with each other was great. Uh, then the uh, the brains start thinking, and Jeff Goldblum comes up with an idea after uh, more and more people are being destroyed out there. They come up with the idea that they are going to give the mothership a virus on a Mac. Yeah. I mean, that was the one big plot hole that everyone was just like, come on. That's the there, point of having a Mac. They there is a deleted scene that explains it all that they should have left in the movie in the first place. Really? Now, which, yep. which one? Because I watched the extended version. So what are you talking about? Oh, you're the extended version where the girl's a slut? Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on <laughs> from that point, please. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I have, I mean... I don't know why I brought it up, because I, I meant to watch it, but I didn't. I've just heard about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I was What's hoping someone else would have scene? seen it, and I would have just passed it off to them. But <laughs> What is I the have, deleted scene? I don't know. I've never watched it. I've just, I've just heard that there you is just a deleted know it scene exists. that makes sense and makes it, makes it okay. Where, like, you know, Jeff Goldblum talks about how he figured out how to code from one to the other. He, like, back, you know... um reverse engineered their code and made a program that could handshake with it and for some reason they just cut it out because they thought people wouldn't understand what he was talking about so huh. let's not worry about it they're just like this is boring crap let's just blow up another ship yep yep pretty much all right so there is this mythical scene then they decide that will smith and jeff goldblum are going to fly up there and drop off this to the mothership at the same time as they uh, launch a timed nuclear bomb into the center of the mothership. 
They also have this weird little B plot going on with uh, Jasmine, uh, the stripper girlfriend played by Vivica A. Fox, uh, rescuing a completely wasted in her role, Mary McDonnell, because the first lady's helicopter crashed, but she just kind of survived, sort of. Survived long enough just to say goodbye. Right. Yeah. She sat in a pile of rubble with massive internal hemorrhaging <laughs> that couldn't be fixed, apparently. And well, Vivica A. Fox just happens to find her in the middle of all this other destruction. So all the important characters are still alive. Meanwhile, millions are dead. News at 11. <laughs> yeah, basically. And uh, we just have the impromptu wedding while uh, Jeff Goldblum is reconnecting with his ex-wife. And they, they attend the wedding of Hiller and uh, Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Um. Do any of you remember seeing a Saturday Night Live? I forget who was the, who the comedian was that played Bill Clinton. Daryl Hammond, usually. Yeah, where he did a Bill Clinton's movie reviews, and he reviews Independence Day, and he's laughing about how the wife dies. No, <laughs> I don't. Nope. About how That's much awesome. how much he loved it because the wife drops dead. <laughs> um, Yikes! Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Um, so they get married. There's reconnection. The fact, you know, she notices that uh, David hasn't taken off his wedding ring in the last two years or however long it's been since they they b- broke up. Four uh, years. It's been four years, David. You take the wedding ring off already. Uh, in the meantime, Randy Quaid and his clan have showed up there. and <laughs> I'm pilot. Yeah, I'm a Should pilot. <laughs> I I'm love black. that. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> get... They put together a ragtag bunch of untrained pilots to plow of, head first. Hooligans in there do wells. Right. I don't the know kids. who. The really, really tall guy with the beard. I liked him. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the redneck guy? Yeah, the guy who he looked like the bassist from Leonard Skinnerd. <laughs> Shitter's full. Yeah. Except, except the difference is he could survive a plane crash. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> the weird thing is, is the the redneck guy. You almost never see him anywhere near a plane. They just like accepted him into the command structure because <laughs> he's just always walking around with the brass for the rest of the movie. <laughs> like you look cool. <laughs> yeah, Tom MacGyver. Come is here. This universe's version of Wedge Antilles. <laughs> so they their uh, their objective is that. They're going to go up, virus the mothership, which will take down the shields. I don't know how they assume that they're hitting the mothership will take down the shields of all the ships at the same time. Hive mind. Right. That's it. Um, Take down the shields, and then they'll be able to attack the ships and finally take them down. Yeah, because even the nukes weren't effective so long as the shields were up. So, So long as they could infect the mothership and shut down all the shields at once... They could uh, get all of the forces of the world to uh, throw rocks or whatever, missiles, kill the ships. Mm-hmm. So, send unkind thoughts. Yeah. yeah, it's a really half-assed plan at this point. Right. It's what a, it's a hail mary. Uh, so Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum fly up there. Wait, wait, wait! Don't forget the impassioned speech of Bill Pullman. Oh yeah, Bill Pullman gives. And actually, you know what? That is a really good scene. Yeah, that one still holds up. Yeah, that the one... only the only complaint I have against it is at the very end he should have said it could be the it will be the world's Independence Day because it's already our Independence Day. That's fair. The way he, 
the way he builds it up, he's like he's like saying we're no longer going to be un, un, you know individual nations. We're going to be a world, and this will be you know our Independence Day. Well, you should have said the world's Independence Day. Already, our Independence Day. I think worst presidential speech world. ever. <laughs> <laughs> I would like them to address this in the commentary. Thank you. <laughs> so the speech is given, and for what's going on. In the grand scheme of things, it's pretty good. He riles up the pilots. They take off. They're getting ready to attack. And honestly, I think I would have waited to take off until the shields were already down because they were pretty damn close to begin with. They take off. Fire Those the missiles. are pretty fast, as we've already seen. Right. And they, they take off in an miles. alien ship that they that was the one that crashed in Roswell. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Good point. True. And the aliens do not go, God damn, that's like a 20-year-old ship. Right. Because <laughs> apparently they haven't upgraded anything since the 50s. Well, you know, the notification comes up. You hit late. Ask me later. Oh, Time yeah. Time passes. Yeah. If it ain't broke, block, block, snook, clock. This ship is 50 <laughs> years old. Do you want to accept it? Yeah, sure. Fine. Whatever. I got stuff going on. Um <laughs> Well, their code is a little old, but I was allowed about to let them pass. I've got to go watch something on youth porn. <laughs> what? It's my alien talk. <laughs> you sound your like a Jewish asthmatic. Youth <laughs> porn. What are you trying to say about the Jews? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. So. Anti Semite? No. I'm not an anti-dentite. In the meantime, everyone's holing up down at the bottom of Area 51. Uh, uh, not Harvey Firestein. Judd Hirsch is saying, uh, uh, having whatever with everybody. Because for some reason, I don't know where he got it from. Jeff Goldblum has his yarmulke and his his uh, Torah with him, too. It doesn't have to be his. It's one size fits all. Where where do you find a yamaka and that at a an area fifty one? I don't think Is they have the that. Chapel? In... The area fifty one chapel and gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> Get two for one on yamakas. <laughs> point I taken. I saw the deal on Yichporn. <laughs> point taken. I'm moving on. All right. So they're up in space trying to drop off this virus, which apparently the aliens use Max, which is why you should never trust John Farm. Um, move in, inside what? joke. Yeah, sorry. And uh, they get locked into place. They get put in the parking spot, and they get the boot. I guess the alien version of the boot. Yeah, you got unpaid parking tickets. <laughs> so they're trying to escape. They get the virus uploaded. In the meantime, down on planet Earth, they're attacking. The shields are not down. They're just about ready to say, We're, we, it's not going to work. Turn back. Bill Pullman, who has decided, President Thomas, Thomas J. Whitmore, decides to get in the plane with him and says, I'm going to give it one more shot. Why did he know, turn into Johnny Carson? I don't know why I turned <laughs> Yeah, because the shields hadn't been brought down because they wasted that extra processing power on having the virus make a little laughing skull. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> While it's animating, the shields are still up, apparently. Yeah. So after the animated skull finishes loading, the shields come down. They discover that it actually gets through, and then they use Morse code to communicate across the world to coordinate the attacks. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was actually pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, their attacks 
look cool. There's a lot of uh, explosions, but it doesn't really do anything until they're all out of missiles. And Randy Quaid is the only guy who's got a missile left. Yep. And he's all ready to launch it. Unfortunately, it doesn't cut loose. It won't release. And that's the thing is if it had released, the whole world would have been destroyed. Right. Because they didn't know at this point that really the only way to destroy those ships is to ram a missile straight up where the uh, big beam shoots down. Right up the pooper. Yeah, basically. Alien pooper. It's, it's so like when sacrifices. you got to really take a big pee and, you, and somebody sticks their finger in your urethra and just everything plugs up and you blow up. So he... What? <laughs> yeah, everybody knows about that. Let's just move on without any further discussion. So he so he sacrifices himself to save the world, basically. How big is your urethra? <laughs> no Before further discussion. After. No Pat's further discussion. Pat's into sounding. Leave him alone. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> so from like this point, it pretty much wraps itself up pretty quickly. It's like, okay, we know how to beat them. They have no shields. Boom, boom. Let's make sure that our last two heroes actually get off the mothership. Right. And across the world on, on Morse code, they're like, if you have a drunk pilot, fly him into Launch the ship. Launch him right up the pooper. <laughs> <laughs> Aim for the urethra. <laughs> so. But uh, yeah, so one by one, all the ships go go down across the across the world, or do they? And um, uh, yeah, no foreshadowing. Yeah, then we cut back to Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum, who are still stuck in the mothership. Ah 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 ah! So they do the only logical thing: they hit the launch the fucking nuke button while smoking cigars. Right. Well, because they figure if we're going to go out, might as well go out in style. I think it's kind of funny that they're launched the missile, which is certainly going to kill us, and let's just sit here celebrating how good it was to be friends, knocks them loose of the boot, and they're like, oh, fuck, better stop the celebration and actually live. That, I thought, was actually, I, I like that part. Yeah. It's just like, crap, we're loose. All ass, you know, and they yeah, get out. like, I don't hear no fat lady. <laughs> they get, they, ma- they managed to get out in time. And it, with a really cool uh, uh, chase scene with them between the uh, the uh, ships and the, pew, the pew, alien pew. ships inside the giant ship. And um, that's the, where the uh, must go faster line goes. Yeah, must go faster. <laughs> they break loose in the last second in the giant closing doors. Foreshadowing. And then uh, bust out through there. Fly home to... Alien ships falling from the skies all over the place. Yep, and then they have the triumphant scene with the two of them walking out of the desert smoking cigars while the ex-wife and the brand new wife run towards them. Mm-hmm. And while the, go ahead. Well, the daughter <clears throat> of the president whose mother's just died is, Happy Fourth of July! <laughs> yeah, your mother's dead, but you're going to be saying that? Yeah. Are, are, are you scared? Yeah. Here's a question for you. How tall is Jeff Goldblum? Before or after six five, Jurassic Park? He's 6'4". Yeah. Will Smith, 6'2". So... Randy Quaid, 6'7". Laying down. I don't, I don't know how tall he is. He's tall. I think Randy Quaid is 6'2". He's, he's, yeah, he's very yeah. tall. Uh, but yeah, so... And honestly... 
at the end of this, Jeff Goldblum looks like kind of a badass. He does. I mean, he it's plays this, this bookish nerd all the way through it. And I guess a little bit of that uh, Jurassic Park Goldblum comes back. And uh, with him, that last scene with the two of them walking across the salt flats together, smoking the cigars, is a pretty badass scene. A little bit of Brundlefly, you know. Yeah. He got his groove back. Yes. Credits roll, patriotism ensues. And America. The and then the, uh, the one kid who still has fireworks in his bag. They fire him pew, off. Pew. Pew, pew. So, and as yeah, they celebrate, a, what? Yeah, there's a cool final shot where it looks like fireworks as all of the fighters start falling out of the sky. Mm-hmm. I like that. Credits roll, and a massive hiring spree begins all across the world. Well, as they're celebrating, and all these still, there's thousands of aliens di- in the process of dying. You've already lost millions of the population, and yeah, we're still pretty happy. Now, with that, I also have to say us in there since we've done a Jurassic Park show and we've done an Independence Day and we've gotten a lot of Jeff Goldblum I am a huge Jeff Goldblum fan what's not to like? because he's fantastic and if you want some amazingly great Jeff Goldblum for your day to day you need to follow him on Instagram he is really active on Instagram. He has, in fact, right, he has pictures of him where you can, of the release party for ID, would it be 5? ID 4.2? And also, Resurgence. Yeah, and also pictures of him getting frisked by uh, the, in the, at the airport, too, so. <laughs> but yeah, he's got some good stuff on there. But, uh, all in all, what do you guys think? It is exactly what it's meant to be it's it's a big explosive fun good time where bad things happen and we overcome and in the end it all is going to look like yay we're on the uprise and we won yeah i think that i have this remembering of it that i sort of liked it but always thought it was corny and as yours went by remembering that i liked it faded and remembering how corny it was amplified so watching it with fresh eyes because i was expecting it to be so cornball it was fine there there was a lot more to it than i remembered but i mean still it's not like high cinema oh no it was exactly what it it build itself to be it's the yep. summer summer blockbuster aliens attack things explode we win yep and i personally give it a thumbs up if i'm looking for something to just put on and watch and have a good time this is in that this is in the same cache of jeff goldblum movies as uh like buckaroo bonsai well maybe not maybe not as high budget <laughs> as that <laughs> it's but no it's it's a fun just summer explosive explosive uh, movie, and I appreciate the fact that they killed off Mary McDonald's character. Why? She sucks, dude. She sucks. We've what? had this discussion. She's still she's terrible. She can't act. Um, I I remember liking it when I saw it originally, but watching it again with fresh eyes, however many years later, I uh, was a little disappointed. It um. It was it reeked of early '90s blockbuster itis. Um, now, what do you what do you mean by early '90s? Why is it well, early '90s? 
It it just has that that '90s stink on it, where everything is since it is mid '90s. It's very formulaic, and maybe early '90s wasn't the right word, but it's it's just it just feels like that time period and all the bad things about a lot of the movies that came out at that point because they didn't quite know what they were going for just yet. It was still kind of early in the summer blockbuster thing. Um, but you know, all the main characters live while millions of people die around them. Nobody cares, and the script is just kind of lackluster i mean it, it was fun but it, it didn't hold up real well in my opinion see i kind of agree with the things you say about what was weak about it but since it is the prototype for the summer blockbuster like i don't think the for me the bar is set so high where i judge it harshly based on that like take it for what it is I'm and i've it. seen i've seen a lot of blockbusters where the characters were a lot less developed than even these were oh yeah yeah yeah, I mean it's this one. I mean this one. At least the lead characters are charismatic. Yeah, I, I'm giving it a qualified thumbs up. Uh, like some of the some of the actors were incredibly typecast. Judd Hirsch was Judd Hirsch. Harvey Firestein was the same character he was in every single movie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't think he's able to be anybody else. So. But yeah. uh, I don't know. It was fine. What well, was entertaining? It was fun. Yeah, I mean, and that's honestly all at this point all I'm asking for in that movie. And they killed Mary McDonald. I mean, it was entertaining. I agree with that. I just think it needed it needs a lot of it needed a lot of work. That's all. All right. Well, what do you we... think about the effects? Did they hold up? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. I'd say so. The effects totally held up. Yeah, for sure. Even the aliens. Oh, especially you, the aliens. Yeah. You, you know how they shot those scenes of, of the fire? With the camera? Coming, yeah, let me coming guess. down the, the uh, corridor of the cities, they actually filmed it. They had a camera up top, and they filmed downwards, and they just started a, um, a propane fire at the bottom and just launched fire up at the camera. How did Vivica huh. Fox jump sideways then? <laughs> what the heck was that? <laughs> That was what that joke deserved. Wait, you have issue with Mary McDonald, and you have you're okay with Fox? I didn't say that. I just over the course of a career, I have liked less things of Mary McDonald's than I have of Vivica A. Fox. Just because Vivica A. Fox was at least good in Kill Bill One, whereas I haven't found anything yet that I've liked Mary McDonald in. Battle she's Star like she's like Galactica? a poor man's Andy McDo- Andy McDowell. Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, she would no a flat performance that I just I didn't care. She was my favorite part of that show. What are you talking about? We yeah, talked Pat, about this. Sorry, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to disagree with Pat <laughs> on that. She's not a she's not a good actress. She can't. She doesn't emote. Every single one of her reactions looks the same. I hear a lot a of delivery. syllables. And if you're comparing her to Vivica A. Fox, you could say that uh, Mary McDonald was not in Batman and Robin. Ooh. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll give you that. There you go. <laughs> it's a point in her favor. Yeah. So, break? Yeah, I think thumbs we've up. said all we have to say about this one. It's just four thumbs up? I'd give it a passing thumbs up just because of the, the special effects, and it was fun. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so when is, we come... It is what it is, which is what we were expecting out of it. Right. Yeah. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the sequel, reboot, whatever you want to call it, Independence Day Resurgence. Right. Just came out. Yeah. Been out one week. Spoilers. 
Bum, bum, bum. All right. We'll be back in a little bit. Go. All right, everybody. We are back. And we're going to talk about Independence Day resurgence. So, yes. So this is 20 years after we claimed victory over the original aliens who were invading us. We always knew they'd come back. Right. Mm. But we did nothing to prepare for it, other than build the same weapons they're used to. Well, <laughs> not, like we had a lot of choice. I mean, how much could we, uh, well, I don't know, 20 years, how much could we do besides build gigantic televisions? <laughs> So, so, I mean, basically, that's the plot. It's 20 years later. The Earth is united as one, has used alien technology, and the aliens come back bigger and badder uh, and almost push humanity to extinction again. The right. aliens are out talking amongst themselves. They're like, well, you know, it's a sequel. we got to come back bigger. <laughs> so, this one. They didn't really know it was a sequel. <laughs> again, directed by Roland Emmerich. <laughs> Uh, this one was written by committee, so instead of just Dean Devlin and Old Roland doing this, we have a uh, Nicholas Wright, who, uh, what did he do? He did something called End of the Line and had something to do with White House Down. Uh, some other writers in there, James Wood, not that James Wood, James Wood. <laughs> no You've got James Wood. Who's known for Source Code, <laughs> Far Cry 3, and played... Peanut? No, he's an actor. He he play, Okay, he played Aviator Glasses Guy in Source Code and played something called Peanut Father in Smurfs 2. Oh. No idea. No, I, I got nothing. Yeah, so he was one of the writers. Yeah, he's got 41 credits as an actor and two as a writer. Right. Uh, Roland Emmerich, obviously. And then James Vanderbilt, uh, who is known for Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, hmm. White House Down, and Zodiac. Which Spider-Man? Uh, the 2012. The better ones. I still haven't seen those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> so, That's my review. Yeah. Meh. Meh. Well, this one stars Liam Hemsworth. The lesser of the Hemsworth brothers. Yeah. Nah. Known pretty much for Hunger Games. I don't think I would go the lesser. Dude, There's one other. Yeah. Yeah, okay, but on, what about Luke? Yeah, he's probably the lesser of the lesser. The, he'd be the least. Okay, he's the le- okay. I, okay, that <laughs> uh, was my mistake. Okay, I thought the greater, the lesser, and the least. This is just like Ahmed Baldwin, the least right. of the Baldwin right. brothers. Okay, so yeah, so wait, I almost started reading Luke Hemsworth. So yes, known for the Hunger Games, Jeff Goldblum comes back as David Levinson. We have a Jesse T. Usher as Dylan Hiller, who is the, uh, he's a, he's a son. Yeah, yes. the, technically the stepson. Yeah, the stepson of Will Smith, who was not in this movie because he mm-hmm. was busy shooting. Dying. No, well, he died, but he, uh, in real life, uh, he was actually busy shooting, um, Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Wait, Will Smith is dead? <laughs> <laughs> Bill Pullman comes in, uh, playing a very good Randy Quaid at the beginning as President Whitmore. <laughs> they, they like, Randy Quaid got a little too Randy Quaidish. We need somebody else to go nuts. This He's not an American citizen anymore. Get somebody else. All right. So we have uh, Maka Monroe coming back as the president's daughter from the first. No, movie. not coming back. This was a huge controversy. No. Oh, that's right. No. Mae Whitman, uh, yeah. who is an actress, yep. still working, did yep. not get the call to reprise yes. her role despite the fact that she just like last year was starring in a movie called the duff right i completely forgot about that my mistake i just saw her in uh, freaks of nature over the weekend which was just came out this last year too yeah twitter erupted in a firestorm when it was released that uh, she was not being recast nothing against micah monroe she's in it follows and uh uh the guest like i like her oh, work, yeah but 
I haven't seen It Follows yet. I think that's on, that should be on my list. So good. Yeah, Joel and I like it. We disagree. Patrick is wrong. <laughs> and you should also watch the other one Josh mentioned, The Guest, which is amazing. Yeah. So good. What about the kid that played the Will Smith's stepson in the original? Does he still act? I don't uh, know. Ross Bagley is his name. He would be terrible now. And he... his picture is is of him when he was playing uh, Buckwheat in The Little Rascals. Oh, wow. And he also did the voice. I think the last thing he did... Oh, wow. No, I take that back. He was in Gnome Alone in 2015. I don't know what the hell that is. So he's done nothing. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, he's done a lot of TV and a lot of voices. What the hell is Gnome Alone? Well, I mean, I guess ah. the point is the reason why the conversation's not about him is he hasn't done anything showing he could carry a movie right. where Mae Whitman has. Yeah. Right. True. So, uh, so yes. So this one not returning, it's Mayhem in Rome, uh, who still, I think she did a great job. Yeah. You know? And uh, after that, we've got Cell uh, Award as President Landford. I probably remember her most from The Fugitive. Uh, she's also in Gone Girl. Haven't seen it yet. No, I haven't either. I've heard good things about it, though. It's, it's, the theater. it's okay. Yeah. Uh, and then a not playing the bad guy, William Fitchner, as General oh, Adams. One of my very favorite character actors, Bill Fitchner. I, yeah. I like him, too. I like the... I mean, you you and I, we went to go see it together, Josh, and you did yeah. make the comment that he always plays the dirty cop or the soldier that goes wrong or the guy who screws yeah. you over. The rules are, if you're in a movie and he's one of the guys with you, just shoot him right away. <laughs> you got to watch him. He's guaranteed to be a government agent, a soldier, a small-town sheriff, something mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> and he's corrupt, whatever it is. Right. And this one, though, he plays a good, solid character as General Adams. Now, I had commented that I would have expected uh, Adam Baldwin. I wanted to see Adam Baldwin as this character, but, you know, maybe he was busy. Uh, also, Judd Hirsch, who apparently has not aged at all. <laughs> no. In 20 years. They, they kept him in cryogenics. For he, is at, he is at level 100, and he is no longer. He's up there with um, Patrick Stewart. He's just... And the late great Abe Pagoda. Right. Who, who is stayed, it time for the sequel? Who, who stayed 78 for 42 years. <laughs> He's... Now- Joel didn't like him in this, apparently. I, and I will concede that he was kind of the C-3PO of this movie. No, I didn't say I didn't like him. I'm saying he was outshined by another character who oh, stole the movie from everybody. That's fair. Are you talking about a one Brett Spiner? Yes. Oh, absolutely. A Fox. Yes, that's exactly it. Her her diving techniques were amazing. <laughs> the decision to bring Brent's, Brent Spiner's character back was the smartest decision this film made. Well, and that it's is, cool I agree with it. Because you see Adam Baldwin check his pulse, and you assume that means he's dead. But you know they didn't actually say he's dead. Nope. Right. He checked his pulse. I guess he had one. Yep. And that was, uh, Joel, I am completely with you on this, the best idea ever, because uh, Brent Spiner eats up Every scene he's in. Absolutely. I mean, anytime he was on screen in those really, really comfortable underwear that he looked like he was wearing. <laughs> those, I want those. They look like they have a lot of, a lot of like, um, airflow. Like when he's talking about the Oaken laser, he's like, what's that? I've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Patrick Esprit as Secretary of Defense Tanner. Uh, Vivica Fox as the nosediving Jasmine Hiller. <laughs> Yeah, when uh, obviously we're going to spoil huge parts of this movie, but that was actually one of the very few things in the movie that actually surprised me. Like she was barely had any screen time, and they just gack her like right, right away. Oh, like, well, yeah. they were in the middle of killing everybody off, so I was actually kind of like, wow, they are 
really doing a number on all the old cast, and then uh, I think, and, and I'm I'm not unhappy that he was in the rest of the movie, but I thought, you know, just dramatic-wise, it would have been better if Judd Hirsch's character had died along with Vivica A. Fox's character, because that'd be like symbolically killing of the old and bringing in the new. Huh. But See, why would they be hanging out together? I have a what would have made the movie better, but we'll get to that when we get to the plot. Right. So, and let me just say, the Vivica A. Fox part gives motivation to Dylan Hiller to do step up and do what he did. So, there was a plot device. Which is barely anything throughout the movie. <laughs> right. Get back to that. Right. <laughs> Except impersonate Will Smith, who wasn't his father. Right. So, uh, in then uh, Angela Baby? Yep, that's her stage name. Yeah. Uh, Angela Baby, play, by played by uh, Rain Lau. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah, Angela Baby's the actress's name. Rain yes. Lau is oh, so her character. That is her, really? That's her stage That's name. That's her yeah. stage, stage, stage name. name, yeah. Yeah, huh. she's done a ton of stuff in Hong Kong, but over here she's pretty much only known for Hitman Agent 47. <gasps> her, no, her name is that's Angela no. Wing is her name. Detective but. D. This okay. Am I the? Uh, it's on um, Young Detective D. It's a like. Yeah. Have you seen it, Joel? No, but I've heard of it. It's really good. It's like a uh, um, ancient je- uh, ancient Chinese mystery stuff. It's it's on Netflix. My cow gun. Take me away, Pat. So anyway, so uh, Charlotte Gainsborough's Catherine Marceau, and uh, God, this is just brace yourself for this one. Deoba Oparai as good. Dikembe Utumbu. Yeah, I mean he's Ubutu. he's Ubutu. been around for a while. Oh yeah, he's Dikembe. in the background of a lot of stuff. He was in Moulin Rouge, Pirates of the Caribbean. Recently, he was in two seasons of Game of Thrones, Doom, Alien Three. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So he plays the machete wielding warlord of Africa who comes along, and then a one Nicholas Wright as Floyd Rosenberg. Ah, Floyd, what are you doing here? So, and he's the guy... He was a completely unnecessary character. I will agree with you on that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, his obsession with uh, Angela Baby's character was like standard summer blockbuster kind of thing. You knew that once they did that, they were going to have to pay that off. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. He. Th- this was what? the guy that w- was following around. Um... Umuntu. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, this was the uh, accountant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't need him at all. Oh, he was funny occasionally, though. But I, I mean, mean if you cut him out of the movie, it wouldn't have made a damn difference. That's true. I wonder why they didn't get higher billing on IMDb to the guy who was effectively the fourth of the four young heroes. Right. No idea. I so, don't know. It's twenty years in the future from after the aliens attacked. We have absorbed their technology into ours in making helicopters that need no blades, gigantic freaking TVs. That need no blades. That need no blades. And using all the guns from Halo. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> That's, did, okay, did the, the rifles that they were firing looked exactly like the Covenant carbines from Halo. Yeah, well, that's when I was talking to Isaiah about seeing it. He's like, when we watched the first one, and he was talking about the second one, he's like, this sounds a lot like the Halo storyline. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I liked the world that they'd created, though. The what humans could do with 20 years having access to this alien technology and how the world has changed. Yeah, right. Like, I, if, if there's no war and and access to reverse engineered alien te- technology, just how far can we go? Right. Yeah, I, I thought that was a, one of the nice twists that they did take on it. Well, yeah. And some of the some of the almost unpronounced things that happened in this movie that it, I I'm letting fall into the because there was alien technology category because you're making cell phone calls from space. Oh yeah, that was very clearly uh, part of the knock on effects of technology 
being advanced like a hundred years or more in twenty years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like to having actual like livable conditions on the moon. Right. right. Did you do trivia? Oh, did I do trivia? No, I no, thought... you skipped it. Yeah, sorry let's about that. Do that now before right. we get any further. So, um. Soon after the success of the first film, 20th Century Fox paid Dean Devlin a large sum of money to write the script for a sequel. However, after completing the script, Devlin didn't turn the script in and instead gave the money back. <laughs> he felt the story didn't live up to the first film. It was only approximately 15 years later that Devlin met up with Roland Emmerich, and again, they felt they had cracked a story for a sequel. Apparently he uh, did a pass-fail on the script. Right. <laughs> Apparently Dean was like wait 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 hey roland what if the aliens come back <laughs> and they're bigger genius and they wait 20 years until mike's wedding anniversary <laughs> <laughs> that's ironic <laughs> all right so also during and prior to the cinema release of this movie director <laughs> roland emmerich and his longtime collaborator dean devlin have been developing and reimagining their earlier hit movie stargate as a follow-up they will be partnering with MGM and Warner Brothers and are planning it as the first chapter in a trilogy. After Stargate, Emmerich is attached to direct Independence Day 3. In case you didn't notice... They... I wonder how big this ship is going to be. Yeah, they kind of set you up for a series on this one. Yeah, and they left it so they didn't leave it unresolved, where if the uh, next movie never gets past the pitch stage, which is where it's at now... That's fine, but mm. it is open for the next one. Right. I think they're you are now see. the Guardians of the Galaxy. They're waiting to see how this one does budgetary-wise, like how much money it actually makes, if any. So I think it's made its money back by now. but uh, It's not going to make a lot. It's probably going to break mm. even. Independence Day Resurgence is currently at 41.1 million dollars. Yikes. That budget. doesn't it sound good. Bigger than that. It had to have a hundred million dollar budget. I wonder. I'm, I'm gonna, you talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to figure this out. Rumber, rumber, I didn't get harumph out of that guy. <laughs> uh, its opening was 165 million. Okay, okay. Oh, so it's not at half of its uh, money back yet. It'll uh, it'll make it back by the end of the summer. Well, Actually, and but it is international. Pod, yeah, yeah. Eventually, I mean, the question is, will the? Uh, it's kind of getting panned. Like a lot of people are not particularly happy with this. I hadn't heard a good thing about it before I went. Before I same here. It. So I mean, there may not be another movie, or if it is, it'll be a direct-to-video sequel starring Brent Spiner. <laughs> yeah. I so. This one, it'll, they... be, it'll be a one-man show starring Brett Spiner. <laughs> Still on board. If Patrick Stewart can do it, I can do it. I'd, I'd honestly, in this situation, I'd watch Brett Spiner. So, aliens come back. We have advanced civilization and use the alien technology to create this immense defense system across the globe and, and the moon and one of the moons of Saturn, I believe. They had commented that one of the bases on Saturn's moons had disappeared. Oh, the entire moon. Yeah, right. The whole moon disappeared. Um, so all their defenses that they built up can be taken care of in a snap of a finger. Right. And then this giant spherical ship shows up on the moon. And the the first... Pokemon thing. What do they call right. it? A Pokeball? Pokeball. So what do you do when you see a weird alien that happens to come through a, a wormhole into your planet? You shoot it. <laughs> and then you celebrate shooting it. That was... You know what, though? In in Okay. In the defense of the world... 
in this in this storyline. 20 years ago, they got their asses kicked. I think anything coming around the corner is going to get shot at first and then apologize to later. Yeah, but the thing is, is you missed a part of the step to their plan. Step one was call Jeff Goldblum. Step two was shoot it. Step, step three was, was celebrate. Step yeah, two it, was ignore Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, right. <laughs> like what do you think we should do mr expert who saved us last time do anything but shoot it so shoot it that's that's the plan we're going with yeah sounds good that sounds good let's go you're breaking up sounds like you said shoot it (laughs) so yeah so jeff goldblum they actually find him we find him crossing the african desert to join up and talk to uh dikembe umbutu umbutu yeah who is a warlord who uh led his tribe through the 20 year ago attack well, he's the son of the guy. His who father. Oh, did. the son yeah. of the guy. Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah, the son of the son of the guy who led them through the attack and has learned to hunt down the aliens. Because apparently they had like ground warfare with the aliens because their their ship was able to land. Yeah, that's right. that's was my takeaway is that they didn't blow their ship up in the traditional throw a drunk guy up into the butthole <laughs> way. <laughs> they brought it down otherwise, and then they're like shit. Land that, in Africa. That, that sounds like one of my dates. <laughs> I well, wish pretty more... much, yeah. I mean, that that's exactly what happened. Is is that 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 it was a plot device so that they would know how to kill the aliens. I wish there were more things that were solved by throwing a drunk guy up the butthole in my life. <laughs> oh, preaching to the choir. <laughs> Seriously. So they, uh, the ship has landed. It has been dark for years. It's suddenly relit. Uh, in a amazing uh, e- expression of bad decisions, Jeff Goldblum walks onto the ship. She sees the giant pulsing red button and then presses it. Yeah, nothing bad could happen here. And that was my thing. Is like I'm wondering how you know. Don't why would you touch that? Well, it's like the guy in Prometheus. Why would you like stick your face near the alien pod? Eh, it worked out. Not in Prometheus. <laughs> Yeah, One out two ain't bad. Well, don't forget that that uh, any of the people that had direct contact with the aliens are now suffering from a a link, a psychic link to them, and they're all starting to see things and writing down this symbol. Mind yeah, milled. especially like uh, Brent Spiner's character, who's been in a coma for twenty years, suddenly wakes up right after he gets his sweater and is completely not his neck sweater. <laughs> he he's not at all atrophied. Well, I mean, he is at Area 51, so they probably have something to keep. Yeah, sense. they scienced the shit out of it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've had he's half lizard now. Yeah. He's he's lizard man. So, yeah. So, Brent Spiner's been laying there for years. He's really, really happy that he still has his hair. And as they come back, he starts drawing on the walls. In the yep. alien dialect. Right. Hang on. Uh, Sorry about so that. So, they're all he, of these... He has his a beautiful mind moment and just, you know, vomits out all kinds of intellectual property all over the fucking place. Yeah, the takeaway from all of these moving parts all over the globe is that they realize that the thing they shot at was their only hope. So, mm. they have to rush to the moon to go get it. I just realized that one of the reasons why Nicholas Wright got a higher billing is that he's one of the screenwriters. Yeah. I, oh, I just okay. caught that. There you go. Anyway. And then we got our subplot with uh, the next generation. Uh, Jake Hem, Jake Morrison, by played by Liam Hemsworth, who's this rogue ne'er do well who yep. has been basically exiled to the moon for punching the Golden Boy Dylan Hiller. Oh, not punching! Who was killing? Oh yeah, and because they were in a training, like what what would you call it? Like a training simulation Mm -hmm. where they were live flying, and he almost, you know, and he caused him to have to eject his plane when he pushed him too far to the side of the canyon. Yeah, they have their kind of Top Gun moment, and Jake Morrison, he had to push even further than because he knew he wasn't a legacy. He knew that. 
He wasn't going to stand out based on his name. Hiller was going to be the commander of the squad. And Jake basically turns himself into a washout by accident, almost accidentally killing the Golden Boy. Uh, but he does manage to end up getting engaged to uh, the former president's daughter, Patricia, who is also a fighter pilot now. Mm-hmm. But gave it up for her father. Yep. Right, because who her is father... a rambling old hobo. Right. He has turned into... <laughs> He has turned into Randy Quaid from the first movie. <laughs> President Hobo with a shotgun. Right. Um, so in the meantime, the aliens are coming back. Things are shutting down. And they kind of – one of the things that I, I liked about both movies is that there wasn't a whole hell of a lot of unnecessary exposition. Like in the first one, Will Smith, this is a hero. This is why you should like him. He's going to go kill the aliens. In this I mean, one, they, they slip it in, I mean, here and there. Yeah, I mean, there's, you get a little bit, but it's pretty much straight to the action. I mean, it was, wasn't was much more than, like, maybe 15 there's a, minutes. There's a lot of movie. exposition talk in this movie. Oh, yeah. Because they do a lot of the, the, the tell-don't-show in this movie. There's mm-hmm. a bit of that. And I, if I was going to criticize the pacing at all, it's that they don't spend any time dwelling or mourning, even less than the first one, on any of the people who die or cities that are destroyed. They're just like, boom, these people are are dead let's move on to the next set piece yep like the biggest morning you see is when uh when hiller's mother goes down and then he's over that in about five minutes yeah mm-hmm. so i mean it could be one of those things where it's like you know this is war and we have to move on we'll mourn later well it just seemed like they had so much going on in the movie and they wanted to make sure they packed enough of it into their runtime so they're just like all of that thinking and caring stuff that will make the cutting room floor. Right. Because, I mean, it was an hour and a half or, or well, no, just like hour two 50. hours. Right. Which the first one was two and a half hours. So Right. So, I mean, they get to their big plan, which is David Levinson's like, why don't we just sneak into the mothership and blow it the fuck up again? It worked the first time. Yeah. I mean, I've seen all the Star Wars movies. You couldn't do that again. <laughs> right. It's like the Death Star is built again. So they try that, and it doesn't work. But we do get some really cool inside view of the ships now. Yeah. There's like this whole ecosystem inside these gigantic ships. And we realize, we also discover, that there is a mother alien. Mm -hmm. Queen. Queen alien. This is where I kind of feel like, don't get me wrong, I'm going to skip a little bit ahead in terms of like how I felt about it. I liked this movie. But I feel it would have been stronger if they hadn't cheapened death by making only the unimportant characters die again and having the super-duper plot armor on the important characters, especially the new ones. This would have been stronger if they'd committed to the oops, we fucked up, the trap is sprung, and actually killed off Liam Helmsworth and Jesse Usher. Kill Hiller and Jake Morrison. The movie barely changes. Right. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we don't get any of the, the cool inside, you know, fighting the aliens inside their own environment shots but i mean they were so muddled as it was i mean i thought they they, because they tried to make it too too dark where i mean i don't think the movie would have suffered if they'd cut those kinds of things like you said make make the shocking decision to kill all those characters make make it a a thing where the movie suffer not suffers but the movie gets better because there's an actual sacrifice made right oh go ahead give give it a little bit of meat give it they could have killed those two guys and still had the other ones that were inside succeed in getting the intel back out absolutely because Rain Lau and Charlie, I think his name was, their character arc wasn't complete. Their relationship, that was like 
still unresolved. So you let them survive. But as soon as you had the reconciliation between Dylan and Jake, their character development was done. You could you could have just killed them off. They had very little to do besides generic action figures for the rest of the uh, movie. And you could have actually had their deaths spur on the few survivors, including the kind of fuck-up little brother buddy guy mm-hmm. and have him earn rain Lau's, uh respect and love by like he is spurred on by his friend and his captain being killed i, I feel that was a big misstep to to just like let them survive i agree kill them all <laughs> i don't disagree well i mean the the thing is with the pilots that they that the uh rain Lau and all the rest of them they seem so much more like just something you would bring out at parades and air shows Sure. You know, they're great for stunt flying, but for combat flying, I don't think like they're they... Blue Angels. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's why I think it would have been great to have the only two of them that are left are Rain Lau and who, who was probably like the best pilot from her country. She was probably the best flyer in that squad. And then you have the guy who wasn't even a part of the squad, who couldn't even handle operating a loader on the moon. And the two of them are who we've got left uh, up in the air to help us fight off the aliens. Mm-hmm. Just missed opportunity. Yep. So they are, we're, we're flying another ship back into the into the mothership. It uh, doesn't work. It uh, Well, this time, well, it, it kind of works. To quote Akbar, it's a trap. Yes, yeah. it is a complete trap. They fly into there and then they discover a new thing that we need to do. Hey, we have this giant globe and uh, Dr. Oaken sciences this shit out of it and discovers we can copy this. And then they're like, okay, well, this globe, this sphere thing is here to protect us. But we blew it up and it really can't help us right now. But if we pretend that it's in this ship, maybe the mother will chase after that and then we can blow her up so they come with well, and they only know that because floyd the wacky accountant decides to touch it when no right. one else would <laughs> they're like you don't do that but he turned it on by touching it yeah that's what she said <laughs> that's fair that was a good one. So we find out that that the alien is there partially because we have a they we have a potential ally this this leader of this rebellion that's trying to take them down because they've destroyed planet after planet after planet by destroying the molten core of the planets to fuel their ships. Yeah, and this is only one of many of the Harvester fleet, but it's the one that was summoned when the original ship sent out a distress signal. Mm-hmm. And then meanwhile, we have the uh, drunken pirate salvage crew who can actually see the drill heading towards the Earth's core, and they're getting drunk off their asses and uh, ask for what was it, like $150 million? $100 million. $100 million, yeah. $100 million. Gonna have a hundred million dollars. They say okay. Yeah. <laughs> they got real serious yeah. real quick. They sober up real fast. Yeah, that was a cool. I, I liked those guys. Yeah. yeah, I did too. Then they uh, they blow up all the satellites, so they have no communications. So they have to figure out other ways to talk to each other using uh, old, uh, not CB. What was it? Ham radios. Ham radio. Like, yeah. Ham radio type stuff and Morse code. Was that no, the first? No, that was one? the first one. It, it was the first, first one was Morse code. This one's ham radio. So they're watching the drilling that going down into the into the earth. 
And little by little, the time is going by, and they're going to reach the core and drain the core, and then something will happen. Well, the Earth will be destroyed. I, don't, I mean, well, I'm not entirely okay. I'm not even going to get into the science of whether or not that was possible. But <laughs> right. <it's, laughs> well, but, once but, they, yeah, if, if they take out the molten core to use it as fuel, then the Earth has nothing to to warm it. Yeah, in, in theory, that that do if you could do that, that would probably do the job. Yeah, yeah, that would destroy the planet. So and the aliens we have are, like oh, go ahead. Oh, I'll say the aliens are burrowing into the core through the ocean which is kind of metal yeah it really is Uh, like and this is after the mothership has flown over the earth and the gravitational pull of this ship has thrown japan into europe yeah that was (laughs) just lifted things entire islands off the ground yeah And and my question is why didn't it happen when they left uh it was a smaller ship less gravity that's fine okay yeah, because the center was missing now, so that was all it right. It could do that, but it couldn't take out Jed Hirsch. <laughs> yeah, his B-plot, where like it starts out interesting, and then he starts picking up this busload full of precocious kids. and I'll get you to safety. We'll get my son. He'll take care of it all. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I didn't dislike it, but it was just like, well, what's what's going on here? Well, I think they just told Judd Hirsch to improv. All you right, they'll find a bus here. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I'm going to make my own movie. It's a heartwarming movie. (laughs) Out of schmuck who finds a bunch of (laughs) yutzes. He thinks he's doing a Jewish retelling of Six Pack. (laughs) What? He's on a heartwarming journey to meet his son, who works for a big government agency. Honestly, out of all these actors, if any one of them I'm going to trust to do improv, I think Judd Hirsch is probably top of the list. (laughs) Judd Hirsch, occasionally we're going to point the camera at you. We want you to be funny when it's on you. Okay, <laughs> I'm good with that. Can you get me John Travolta? <laughs> so, the uh, the the plot, the first the first attack inside the ship fails. The mothership, the mother in the mothership, yeah, the mother's the mother's ship <laughs> <laughs> takes off after the the bait, which is F, uh, Dr. Oaken has made this um, this cargo ship. The tug appear like it has this sphere in it. So the mother goes after the sphere, and we discover that the mother is freaking huge. Yeah. Which yeah this is, is a... when the movie suddenly turned into Cloverfield. Yeah. Yeah, she was a hell of a mother. So she chases after him. There's a big old fight. Uh, uh, Bill Pullman dies heroically alongside her, uh, his uh, daughter, who flies up to defend him as he's got this bait. He flies uh, in. Yeah. Uh, there was a real nice moment in there where they have the contrast from him being President Hobo with a shotgun to clean-shaven, looking badass, putting the flight suit back on, and insisting he's going to be the one to fly the bait ship to attempt to blow up. Uh, that's basically got a nuke on it. He's just going to ram it down her throat and blow it up. Right. And you know what? Suzanne actually pointed out that it was kind of a, a, a cool thing that right before he gives his, his speech again, he has another speech that he gives in this one, that he puts down his cane and never goes back to get it. Nope. Right. And then you find next time you see him, he's clean shaven and wearing the flight suit and ready to kick ass and be bait. Well, but William... Uh... Oh, crap. Yeah, he's the one who really gives the speech this time around. They both had a speech. They both yeah, had they speech. each had a speech. Because yeah. by this point, William Fitchner is the new president. Because uh, Sarah Ward and all of her chief of staff, the entire presidential succession, is killed in the initial attack. Which yep. I was okay with. <laughs> I mean, I like her, but it's fine. They fucked up. They (laughs) shot their only ally. Whatever. Mike's just just that against a female president. (laughs) (laughs) 
She looked at the guy. She was slutting it up. <laughs> Holy crap. She won't be back for the sequel. I'll make sure of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> you didn't think we were going to let that one no. go, did you? Give, it a, give you an inch, you take a yard, man. <laughs> All right. So this the the uh, the battle goes on against a gigantic mother. In the meantime, uh, not Bill Pullman, um, Judd Hirsch oh, shows up. And his little, his little subplot of him discovering all these abandoned people, he puts him on a school bus and says, hey, let's go to Area 51. I know we'll be safe there when the, the <laughs> Cause, possibly... Because why not go to a military installation during a war? Well, I mean, it worked last time. Right. So, so he, in the middle of the trap springing, Judd Hirsch shows up with the bad news bears. Right. <laughs> and I think one of the best lines of the movie is, who's that tall gangly guy waving at us? <laughs> It looks like my son. It is my son. It is my son. So he, and then there's the alien chasing after the mother, uh, the mother alien chasing after the school bus scene, which I was trying to, we were trying to figure that out why she would go after the, the school bus. And I think it's just like we decided it was just lashing out. Yeah. Cause I mean, the trap sort of works. They just didn't realize that blowing up her ship wouldn't kill her. Right. Like the president, sacri- former President Whitmore sacrifices himself and blows up the alien mother's ship. And then she climbs out of it in a giant suit of armor. And she's looking around. The signal's gone. And there's all these little things running around each way. And she just like attacks anything that's moving. All right. Let's stomp on these little things. So she's chasing after the school bus. And Meanwhile, Brent Spiner's <clears throat> having a private conversation with the alien. Right. About so, technology. Talking to the sphere. Uh, in and wait, who? Doctor Isaacs, who was also a thir- uh, character from the original, right? Hanging out with him, and uh, the uh, president's daughter is backing him up and fighting the mother alien and shooting at her shield generator. Pew pew pew. The entire time, <laughs> finally breaks down that and lets them know that she's good to be attacked. But then, dun dun dun. The, what? what happened? Got me suspended. I, I lost it. <laughs> he was uh, hoping someone would jump in there and yeah. we let him down. Yeah, Liam Hemsworth and the rest of the junior crew show up flying alien ships saying, please, please, please don't shoot us. We're actually human. And then get absorbed into the hive. As, Fail. Yeah. As the mother mother alien decides that she's going to go after the real sphere because the old sphere died. Well, yeah, the real sphere is revealed when uh, the prison level of Area 51 cracks open and the aliens start running around killing everybody until uh, the warlord McBadass takes his machete and starts chopping up some aliens. But they do manage to see the sphere and hive mind mentality. They're able to tell her instantly, hey, sphere's over here. So she's like, Oh, fuck you fuckers, I'm going back. <laughs> he just turned into Sean William Scott as the mother <laughs> alien. Fuck you fuckers. I would watch a movie review show with you, Pat. <laughs> so she gets the sphere. The uh, The hive mind is going on. They figure out how to get out of the hive by turning on their space thrusters and flying way up into the air, which then <laughs> burns out the engines, except for their guns. You can't use the space thrusters. They'll blow us up. And so they do You're a dive bomb. <laughs> they do a dive bomb, pew, pew, pewing this, the mother alien on the way down. They're like, don't worry. Our plot armor will protect us. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah. So they wind up attacking the mother alien on their downstroke <laughs> and uh, wind up taking her down, firing at her, blowing her up. Uh, she gets vomited out. Blech. By her, over the front of the school bus. Yeah, by her armor, which was, 
You know what, though? Considering that everything in this one pretty much was all digital, it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. The effects were fine. Yeah. That fluid looked just sticky enough. She drops the little ball of uh, Pokeball. Mm Mm-hmm. And the ships are dropping. Yeah. It's basically the ending of the first one again. Everything once... So, so I was just thinking, sorry, I had a, a little moment where I flashed back to a joke we had earlier in the night. I was like, the armor splits open and out come 274 rabbits. Turns out the, the alien monster was Biggie Smalls after all. Have many rabbit. It's funny glad- to me. It was funny to me, damn it. Glad you interrupted me for a joke that was in a Facebook <laughs> chat. I don't know. It was, a, it was a joke for you guys. It was to do it for your benefit. And fuck you. And I don't, I don't like you and I'm done. <laughs> You are home. Well, good. It was a short trip. <laughs> the hell is going leave. on? I'm going to leave and come back. So <laughs> I'm just going to shut up and smoke. Mother Alien dies. The The big ship uh, stops just mere seconds before hitting the core, and it gets recalled back into space, right? Didn't it get recalled? Yeah, it, goes, it flies back and back into space, and then everyone says, oh... Once it gets back, they're going to come back again. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing. is they did Once you kill the queen, it's like the first one. The other ships are like, uh, what do we do now? Um, not sure. Better report to our supervisor, who is on the other end of the universe. So they just kind of leave. Right. So now we have the Pokeball. That's going to teach us about all this great technology because Data is all excited about it. And what does he say? I'm really excited about it. No, he says we should take the fight to them, so let's go kick some alien ass. Right, and yeah. then so, suddenly the sphere just be, be, wants us to represent the entire universe in fighting these guys. Right. Credits roll. Because America. Because they're not so primitive after all. And curtain. Yep. That's the last line. We're going to go kick some alien ass. That literally, it's the last line of the movie. <laughs> And you're like, sequel. Yeah. I I think I was in the proper frame of mind to enjoy this movie. Yeah, in a giant recliner. Oh, yeah, but I didn't know about the recliner until the end. So the credits. Yeah, we went to to the Downers Grove Theater, and apparently they've changed it from, like, regular theater seats to uh, assigned seating, but everybody gets these leather recliners. Oh, yeah, a lot of theaters are doing that now. Yeah, giant lazy boys. Yeah, pretty sweet. Yeah. And, And chairs, too. Hits just keep on rolling. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. That's irony. Look it up. (laughs) So, yeah. So, stepping out of this, I, again, just like the first one, I was expecting giant battles, aliens, and explosions. And all three of those boxes were checked off for me. I I came into it with the same mindset. I think the biggest surprise and most pleasant part of the film was Brett Spiner's character just... uh, stole the entire movie and i i think i don't know if i would have enjoyed it without his character being a central part of it i, I definitely <clears throat> agree with that oh yeah yeah if anything <clears throat> they, they tried to launch this new generation of heroes and i really didn't care about them as much as the returning members of the old cast even if that bill pullman did have to be the surrogate for randy quaid and make the big heroic sacrifice so he obviously won't be back for another one no, I mean, they basically took all the characters from the original that would come back, killed half of them, and got the new generation to fill in the gaps and are ready to move forward with third installment. Who did they kill besides Jasmine? They killed Dr. Isaac, too. Oh, yeah, at the end. Yeah, he died. Somebody somebody else died in the beginning, too. Though. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, they killed two people off, and then they, and then they showed Judd Hirsch. I was like, oh, they're going to kill him, too. No, Vivica Fox died. Yeah, but there was somebody before her, I thought. Well, um, and then, of course, Bill Pullman died later, but... Everybody right, else, Pat, probably a bunch of people that survived the first one. Oh, 
am I thinking of? Yeah, I, somebody I'm else not sure. It's weird that they made a big deal out of Randy Quaid's kids in the first one, and I, I don't know why they didn't just say that Jake was like the little guy. He got his medicine. Maybe the ages don't line up quite right. Well, you don't want as much as I like. Giuseppe, uh, the guy, the kid that he's grown up now and makes independent movies and is kind of a weirdo, he wouldn't have fit in. Same thing with uh, James. I'm not saying recast him. I, they, I, I'm not saying uh, have bring the original actor back. Why bother? Oh. I'm saying bring the character back. Don't have Jake Morrison be this dude we've never heard of. There was another group of kids where they could have just solidified the connection to the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe so. that would have been a reach or too contrived. Yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly think just by, because of the, I'll say attitude, but because of the way that the original, the kids from the first one were, I don't think they're, it would have made sense for them to be like, oh yeah, they, my, watch my dad flap butthole of a giant ship. Now I'm going to go fight the aliens again. No, I'm getting the hell away from everybody. I mean, if their father was a famous war hero, there, maybe one of them would have been recruited to be part of the new Blue Angels. Maybe if if he was any had any skill with uh, uh, being a pilot. Maybe you're, thinking, maybe you're thinking of Robert Loggia, Pat. I don't know. He didn't really die that we saw, but he wasn't in anything other than the the sequence where they were having the big party. Hmm. Oh, was he was he maybe killed with the president and all the staff? Probably. I just thought maybe that's what you were thinking of because I don't. I, it's I felt the same way, Pep, but I don't see anybody in the cast list here other than him. So anyway, final thoughts. What do you think? I mean, we it sounded like we all liked it. Yeah, I I mean I enjoyed it. It it was exact again more of the same. It was giant, you know, aliens fighting and the whole nine yards. So I mean, it's again, it's it was what I expected. I mean, I'm not gonna rush out <laughs> to like buy it or see it as soon as it comes to netflix or whatever no i'm blu-ray i'm gonna wait for the box set for all three of them i mean it was it was fine yeah i mean i think it took the concept that that has become kind of popular which i'm happy with the the star wars force awakens or jurassic world where you take the original you include a lot of the characters that were in the original series and then add the next generation they just didn't do it quite as well as those other films did Mm -hmm. but they the source material, the beginning source material, wasn't as strong anyway. So it it uh, it was just more of the same, just on a bigger bigger scale, basically. Yeah, this movie wasn't <laughs> as bad as I'd heard it was, but it's definitely not great. You know, I'm probably never going to watch it again. Yeah, yeah, I would call it good, not yeah. great, but good. Yeah, I mean, if I had cared more about the young younger crowd, maybe. But you know, like you said, I'm not going to be going to dig this up. It's a Saturday afternoon, nothing else is on, kind of TNT sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, or whatever channel FX FX. All right, so... There wasn't a whole lot of difference between this and Falling Skies, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do we have on tap for next week, Jim? <laughs> we got some barbecue. It is the time for it. Yes, we're talking about cooking out then and now. We're talking about, uh, you know, what were barbecues and cookouts like for us then? What are what do we do now? What's our favorite foods from then? What's our favorite stuff to cook now? And, and just ge- and general general outdoor cooking, like also like campouts and things like that. You know? Yeah. But mostly barbecue on the grill. Ah, uh, the old sterno. Any, anything where you don't have a roof over you and you're cooking, we'll talk about it. So, yeah, if you want to give your opinions on Independence Day, yes, if you uncover something we missed maybe you saw that delete mysterious deleted scene maybe you want to tell joel the definition of irony <laughs> you can give us a call at 708 now wrap at 708-669-9727 and you can find our older shows on uh, itunes blueberry stitcher and talk shoe 
or you can find our uh, streaming stuff on our home on the web at 40go14.com uh, or email us 40go14 at gmail.com. That too. Indeed. What if they want to talk about whether or not Biggie Smalls is 247? <coughs> oh, boy. No. Then I will give them your cell phone number. No way that can go wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be cooking up some barbecue next week. Absolutely. Pew, pew, pew. Yay. I don't feel like it's. It, it, I should be 20 years older than I was that day. I don't act like it either. I know. You're still sitting there in a wet tuxedo. <laughs> in my mind, I am. <laughs>